morning. Let's stand and worship. tend to talk softly anyway, so uh, sometimes when I'm uh, speaking, you can't quite hear it. 
try this one. All right. Is that better? All right. There we go. We need to praise the Lord and thank the Lord that we survived this last storm with very little damage. And I, for one, am very appreciative of everything the Lord has done and watching over us and keeping us and taking care of us. So uh, when we do go to pray here in a few minutes, remember to thank him for everything he's done for us because he's done a lot. And a lot of times it's the stuff we don't see as much as the stuff we do see. So thank the Lord for that. Psalm 96, a call to praise God. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people, for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established, that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field be joyful and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice before the Lord for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Let's pray the Lord this morning. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done. Lord, you've said that it's important for us to give you the thanks and the praise, the honor and the glory. Lord, we give you that for everything that you have done. Lord, we lift you up and thank you in the earth. We praise you, Lord, and ask that you inhabit the praises of your people today. Lord, be with us as we give you that honor and that glory and that praise. Help us, Lord, to do as you would have us to do every day. Be with us this morning as we continue to serve us. Be with the minister, Lord, as he delivers the word that you would have us to hear. Lord, thank you and praise be unto you for everything that you have done for us. And all of the people said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Yes, continue to worship him, people, as we continue on. Thank you, Lord. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's remain standing this morning and let's worship together today.
let's worship the Lord today. Lord, we just welcome you in this place today. Lord, we stand before your presence today, amazed and marveled by all that you do for us each and every day. Lord, we welcome you in this place today. Lord, we want you to inhabit the praises of your people and let your glory come down in this in our midst today. We love you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Have your way in this place today.
Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house today. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord just for a moment. At this time, we will dismiss children's to children's church to my left, to your right, out these doors. Uh, if you don't mind, please sign your children out there today and uh, in and out. Remember the rule of thumb. You don't sign them out. They stay here. They don't go home with me. So you take your children home. Here's my philosophy about church. You can always leave with more than you came with, but not less than you came with. So the old song says you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. I don't want you to leave here like you came with the people in your car. I want you to take them home too. So you take them home with you. If you want to adopt a few other ones, I'm sure some parents in here will let you take them too. But just don't leave them here for me today. God bless you today as they make their way. Super excited they're coming on their way. 
Well, let me tell you just how good God is while they're making their way. You know, we sing these songs, you are great, you do miracles, so great, all those things. Well, last Sunday, while I was somewhere between Rapid City and Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, which, by the way, you should all know because I gave you a video montage that I was not here. Uh, but while you were here, I heard through the grapevine, i.e. the Facebook feed, <laughs> that's the new grapevine these days, that Brother Jimmy made it back to church last Sunday and was in the house of the Lord with us. So that's something to give God praise for, that he made it back after his fall. And as I came out of Sunday school today, I had the most pleasant of surprises when I was walking through. I thought that somehow a pastor had missed St. Patrick's Day, and I was supposed to wear green today because someone was coming across the parking lot and all this festive green. And I was like, man, it's springtime. I like this. And I didn't recognize it at first. I thought, well, so nice to have somebody until they got a little bit closer. I probably, I'm probably sleep deprived, so my contacts are a little fuzzy. But Jamie made it back to church finally after all her surgeries. She's in the house of the Lord with us this morning and made it back to church this morning after her, her uh, esophageal surgery and things like that. So that's a good thing. She is still recovering, still got a little ways to go, so we still need to pray for her. But she was able to be at church today, so that is something to to thank God for so the song is right you are great Lord you do miracles so great there is no one else like you today and uh, so I'm thankful for that I'm also glad to see uh, brother Primo and sister Nell back with us they've been out for vacations and families and things like that he picked a good Sunday because I was able to sing in Spanish and somebody knew it for a change I wasn't singing in a foreign language to myself it was wonderful somebody knew what I was saying so it was wonderful and uh, so we're so glad. Um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go back with me to the book of Luke 17. Let me say as you're turning, uh, I missed you all. South Dakota was fun. It was exciting. Lots of cool sights and sounds. But I was ready to come home by Friday. I was ready to come home. Uh, don't forget, tonight is our Men and Women's Fellowship Night at 6 p.m. Please bring a covered dish. We were going to have uh, a fish fry and some other things, but we've had to postpone that due to some uh, challenges of circumstances so just bring finger foods we have leftover chicken and stuff from VBS we can cook as well to get rid of some of that stuff in the back but please bring your favorite dessert you should have been contacted by your connection team leaders already to let you know about that but we are starting Sunday night back up church we're starting it back so this Sunday will be our men and women's fellowship night that's normally the first of the month but we didn't want to miss one already by 4th of July so we're doing that but next Sunday June 18th we're back at 6 p.m., prime time, church service, singing, preaching, praising the Lord. We are full throttle, and we're working on getting Wednesday night back to full throttle. We got a few irons we're working out, but we should be back here pretty sure with Bible study on Wednesday night. So we're going somewhere. We're back going. So we can, can we give God praise? We're, we're getting there. We're headed back. So we're, we're coming back. And, uh. Those joining us on live stream, God bless you. We're so excited to have you. Can we give a Santee Circle welcome to all our live stream viewers today? We welcome you today. Don't forget to stream us. You can go to uh, your Google Play or App Store to Our Church. Download the app called Our Church. Type in that, Santee Circle, C-O-G. You can watch us, follow us, you know, all that fun stuff. Or if you just want to go the simple way, you can go to the Internet, SanteeCircleCOG.org on your mobile device. And uh, watch us there as well. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. 
you just, there's no excuses why you can't hear the word of the Lord anymore. You can, if you say, well, pastor, I couldn't be at church. I don't feel good. Well, it's all over everywhere now. You can find us somewhere. So there's no excuses to not hear the word of the Lord. But the Bible says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves together as in the manner of some. So don't get excited about staying home every Sunday. That's only if you can't come for some reason. But there's something to be said about coming and worshiping together in the house of the Lord. And boy, you guys look good today. A good crowd. You look good today. We are so glad to have you today. All right, let's jump right into the Word of the Lord. If you're able to stand for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to ask you to do so. And uh, we're going to jump right into this today and uh, get right into the Word of the Lord. If you listen fast, I'll preach fast because I'm already hungry. So uh, if you listen slow, we're going to just be miserable together. So we're going to make this happen. Luke 17, verse 28. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day, same time period, same time frame, Lot went out to Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed it all. Even thus shall it be. In the day when the Son of Man, talking about Jesus Christ, is revealed, let him likewise not return not return back. I mean, don't look back. Remember what the Bible said? Any man that puts his hand to the plow but looks back. Come on, y'all. I know it's been two weeks since I've been with you, but I didn't know that y'all all of a sudden weren't Pentecostal anymore in two weeks. I didn't know we lost our, our fire in two weeks. He said anybody that puts his hand to the plow looks back is not fit for the kingdom. God doesn't want us to constantly be looking back. He wants us to constantly be going forward. You know what I like about a rearview mirror? A rearview mirror has this phrase. It says, objects in the mirror are closer than they appear. So what that means is, though I look in the rearview mirror and I think something's way on back, it may be not as far back as I'm thinking. You know why the windshield is bigger than the rear view or the, or the rear windshield? Because you, the, the purpose is for you to be looking forward, not looking backwards. Now, there's something to be said about remembering heritage. But there are a lot of people in this world that are still holding on to what they used to have, what they used to feel, what they used to experience. But God said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if you were filled with the Holy Ghost in, in 1987, you can still be filled with the Holy Ghost in 2021. Too many people are trying to hold on instead of trying to let God continue to move in their lives today. He said, don't just look back. The second shortest verse in the Bible, Luke 17, 32. Right behind Jesus wept. Here's the second shortest in the Bible. Verse in the Bible. Remember Lot's wife. Boy, that is a powerful verse if you really know what Jesus is saying. Of all things, Jesus made sure that in holy pages of Scripture, out of all the things he could have mentioned, he had to mention, but remember Lot's wife. Because she was the one that looked back. Verse 26 in Genesis 19 tells us. Now remember what it said. Remember Lot's wife. Remember the previous scripture. It says, likewise, don't look back. Lot's wife looked back from behind him. Him. Who was him? It was the angels of the Lord that were leading them out of Sodom and Gomorrah. He gave them one instruction. When I take you by the hand and we leave this city of Sodom and Gomorrah, don't you look back. She gets about halfway out the city, but his wife. Remember Lot's wife looked back from behind him 
And she became as a pillar of salt. So we're going to pick up part two today of the message, Are You a Little Salty? I'm going to ask the former pastor and shepherd of this house, Pastor Art, if you would so kindly pray over the reading of God's word this morning. Pastor Art. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today if you can. Just because you're seated doesn't mean you have to stop worshiping, though. Just, just to give you that little plug there. Second shortest verse in the Bible behind Jesus wept is then found in Luke 17. Remember Lot's wife. You see, you have to understand the backstory to understand the meaning of that verse. Because the Bible tells us in Genesis that in Genesis chapter 25, 26, Abraham and Sarah had been living in the land of Egypt. They had been fleeing, they had been running, they were living in Egypt. But Abraham had a nephew by the name of Lot. Lot had a father, Abraham's brother, but Abraham's brother died while they still were in the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. So Abraham's father took him in as you will, as a grandfather to kind of take care of his grandson. But granddaddy ultimately got older and things, the cycle of life happened, he died. So all that left for young Lot was Uncle Abram at the time. He wasn't even Abraham yet, he was Abram. Uncle Abram and Aunt Sarai. So they take him in. They didn't have children. They didn't have any little ones running around the house. So they kind of basically took him in as a, as a, as a, you know, a family member would and, and make sure he was safe. Well, over time, he grew and, and things happened. And The Bible says that Lot, as he got older, he began to work and he began to uh, uh, secure wealth and he began to, his cattle began to grow and his flocks began to grow and Abraham was getting blessed. The Bible said, that, you know, the, the prophecy said that Abraham, the, the, the Lord said, anybody that blesses you, I will bless them and I will multiply your seed as the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. So Abraham's being blessed all where he goes. Well, the Bible said that they got to a point that Abraham comes to Lot one day and says, son, we're, we're to the point now, you're older, you're, you're an adult now, it's, it's time for you to kind of get out the nest. Like you've lived in mom and daddy's house long enough, you got a job, you, you know, you got all your, you know, you got your own bedroom suit, you got your own pots and pans, you got your own blue willow china pattern, you got it all. You know what I mean, son, you, you got more than I got. We, we, we don't have a pod, portable on-demand storage that we can bring out here in the desert, so we don't have to get, we don't have a house big enough. This tent's getting too small for all of us. You're going to need to go on and, and kind of spread your wings and fly a little bit, son. And so Abram, that eventually would be called Abraham, gives Lot the choice. They stand at the threshold of the nation or the land of Canaan. And Lot and Abraham are standing there. And Abraham says the following words. Son, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go north, I'll go south. You pick where you want to go, 
I'll go the opposite direction so we're not competing for pasture lands. We're not competing one for another to, to be able to, so we can literally separate. We, we, we'll, still fa- we'll still be family, but we're going to separate. Lot begins to look all over to the land, and he notices a city in the plains uh, near the city of Zoar, and he notices this real fertile grass, and he notices all this city lights like the New York City of the time. He sees all the jumbotrons, the flashing lights, the excitement of, the, of this big city called Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah would be the equivalent today of somewhere like New York City or Los Angeles, California. It, was, it had all the lights. It had all the, 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 the modern-day amenities of the day. It was a party city. It was a city full of life. And you say, well, Pastor, how do you know that? Because when Lot eventually got to Sodom, the Bible said they were coming. They were, they were doing all kinds of stuff in the city, banging on the doors, trying to have inappropriate relationships and soliciting on the streets. I mean, you, you talk about it. you got prostitutes walking down the streets, men wanting men, women wanting women, all kinds of filth and disgust things happening on in this situation because of the of the sin sickened state I mean this was a wicked city the Bible said it was one of the wicked cities of the day it was just a bad place so why would a child of God y'all listen to the preacher carefully I've had two weeks so it's been brewing why would a child of God put themselves in a sinful situation why set yourself up for failure Why test the devil? Why even tempt the devil? See, some people think, well, you know, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Yeah, but you don't have to be an idiot. I mean, come on, y'all. Just because I don't drink don't mean I should go sit at the bar and order wings. Hello. Come on, somebody. Act like we go to church here. Just because because it, it may not. Do the behavior doesn't mean I need to go look like I'm doing the behavior. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. Don't mean just because I don't drink I should go hang out at the bar and order wings while I'm there. You see, I mean, Lot sees this city. He likes what it looks like. So he tells Uncle Abraham, I'm going to go there. I like it. Abraham sends him on his journey, sends him on his way. Love you, son. Proud of you. Good luck. I'll send you a Christmas card in the mail kind of thing. We'll see you at Fourth of July or family reunion, you know, kind of thing. Sends him off. Lot goes to the city. Some things begin to change in Lot's life. All of a sudden, and we're going to talk about some things that salt does. There are over, did you know there are over 14,000 ways to use salt? According to Google, now whoever had no life to count this, obviously somebody was sitting at their home and thought, I have nothing better to do than to figure out how many ways I can use salt. Now, I don't know if that means kosher salt or just regular sea salt. I don't know what, if the, what all, but I don't know who thought that it was a good idea. Let me be the person to count the ways you can use salt. If you were the one that happened to discourage, I mean, if you were the one that happened to discover that and you just haven't let everybody know that yet, let me tell you something with all love and respect. If you are that bored, come see me. I have things I can get you to do and help me accomplish. I mean, who sits there and counts 14,000 ways to use salt? But there are. So this morning, I'm only going to cover 13,999 of those ways before we get dismissed this morning in church. I'm not doing that. But I am going to tell you some that I think have spiritual connection 
in physical practices. One thing that salt does is salt influences things that it's around. Salt affects everything that's in contact with it. Do you know God called us to infect the world with Jesus Christ? He called us. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its effectiveness, one translation says it's taste. But if you look at another translation, it says if a salt loses its effectiveness. Y'all remember what the Bible said it's supposed to be done with it? Thrown outside for people to walk all over it because it's pointless to even have the salt. It said to be trampled down under the feet of men. Once we as a body, I wouldn't even say the church, I'll even put the preacher in it. Once we as a body of believers are not effective for the kingdom of God anymore, we're, we're useless. We were put on this earth for one thing and one thing only. To glorify and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ through our life. That's our purpose. If somebody said, well, pastor, I don't know what my purpose is in life. I just gave it to you. My purpose, your purpose in life is to be on this earth to magnify and glorify God as his creation and point everybody else to the same creator that created us. That's our purpose. But if we lose our effectiveness in our Christian walk, we lose our effectiveness on this journey of faith, we are useless. We're useless. You know why people do drugs and alcohol and always trying to do, live in this sin? Yes, yeah, sin is pleasurable for a season. It is. I'm not going to lie to you. I'd be a bad preacher if I, didn't, if I didn't tell you the truth. Of course, the Bible tells us there is pleasure in sin for a season. But it also says, but then when that season wears off, it bites back pretty hard. In fact, it was coined one time by my former pastor uh, as a child. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will cost you more than you wanted to pay. And it will keep you in places longer you ever intended to stay. The sin of Sodom kept Lot longer than he intended to to stay it cost him more than he intended to pay he lost family in this and it took him farther than he ever in his imagination thought he would find himself in when it was all said and done that's what sin does to you it influences salt influences everything around it you know in Genesis 19:22. A lot of people say that is a, it is a uh, this scripture in Genesis 19:22 is a pre-tribulation scripture because it says, "Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive to your destination." That was the angel of the Lord when he was getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He told Lot, "You guys got to get out of here because the Lord is basically telling me I can't do it till you guys are safe." And so, a lot of scholars say that is a symbolic thing of the pre-tribulation view of of eschatology and in terms of that God's going to rapture the church and get us out of here before he destroys the church. But, but you've got to understand, God always will provide a way of escape if we look for it. When you are tempted in all manners, God will provide a way of an escape. He'll give you an option to get out. Now, whether you take the option or not, I can't control but that doesn't mean God did not give you an option out of it. Lot decides as they're leaving, he's going to go to a nearby city, a city called Zor, Z-O-A-R. In fact, the Bible tells us that when they're leaving the city, you know, you remember the story, Abraham starts, Lord, if there's a hundred righteous people, 
Lord, there's 50 righteous people. Lord, there's 40. Lord, there's 30. Lord, there's 20. He's playing, I mean, he's he's playing like Vegas slots. I mean, he's trying to just make a bartering chip with God. He's like, I wonder how close I can get to this number. It's, it's like, let's make a deal. He's looking for the right briefcase or, or, or you know, or whatever. And, you know, who wants to be a millionaire kind of thing. And so he's going through and he's going through and he's going through. And he finally says, God, if there are 10 people in a city that has thousands, biggest city of the day, Thousands of people. God, if there are ten people that actually believe in God, would you spare the city for ten people? And you know what God said? Yes. If you find ten people, I will. Now, I've always been curious about why ten people. Why was it ten? Here's what I have come to personally. Not, not any kind of. I've read other theologians, and some of them are line up, and I, I kind of agree with that, and I kind of agree with some of their perspectives i have no proof of this it's just my thought process i think the number 10 abraham was satisfied with that because there were 10 people in abraham's family and he thought at least his family would save the city because i believe that obviously you had lot and his wife some translations or some people say he had obviously had two daughters and then two son-in-laws so that's six some people say that Lot could have had up to four daughter-in-laws. I mean, excuse me, four daughters based on some of the other historical writings. So if you added even the other two daughters possibly that were there, that's already eight of ten people right there. So I believe Abraham thought there would have been somewhere at least his family alone could have covered the spread. Come on, y'all. But even his own family had let go of what they knew was right. They let it go. As they're leaving the city, remember they, they had to strike the people with blindness and also they lead Lot and them out and he gives them instructions, do not turn around, you run. And Lot he said the first thing he said is run to the mountains. Go read it back in Genesis. He tells Lot, go to the mountains and stay there. Go stay at the mountains. Well, <laughs> Lot must have got the same genes and DNA as Uncle Abraham did, because he likes to bargain and barter. Because he says, Well, to the angel, well, you see, um, you know, that might be a hard journey for us to get to the mountain. So can we just go by the city of Zor? It's like right there. Like, literally, we leave the city, we can be there in a half a day's journey. Can we go right here to the city of Zor? And the angel of the Lord consented and agreed to that. Now, you say, well, pastor, why would, why would the angel consent to agree to that if he knew Lot's wife was going to turn around? Why, why would he consent to that? Because sometimes God's going to let you make your own decisions. He already gave you instructions, but if you don't want to follow him, he'll let you do it your way. See, the problem is some people, God's already... Well, Lord, don't help me go here, but Jesus, take the wheel. I've been out for two weeks. Let's have fun. God already gave us instructions, y'all. But there's so many people trying to rewrite the book. So the Bible tells us, actually in, in Romans, that the people in Rome got to such a point, God gave them up to their reprobate minds. Meaning, there came a point, God said, you want to do it your way? Then do it your way, I'll step back and let you have it your way. And he did. Can I tell you, and I know that I'm on Facebook and YouTube, and if somebody's watching on here and, and you you tell Facebook and they censor me and take me off then God bless them and we'll be praying for Facebook and YouTube and all those people but I'm going to say it or die but the reality is I'll tell you what the problem is with the world I'll tell you what the problem is in the United States Joe Biden is not our problem Kamala Harris is not our problem Nancy Pelosi is not our problem 
a lack of God in our country and a and a wimpy, beat down, browbeaten wuss of a church is the problem in our church in our world today. We're tucking our tails and running like we're scared for the hills rather than stand up and being counted as a remnant that say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If God be for me, who will be against me? We're running instead of standing still and seeing the salvation of the Lord. The problem with the world is not the political party. It's the lack of the church not being effective and influencing. We've lost our effectiveness in this world. That's the problem with the world so God says you want it your way go to Zor you remember when Israel wanted a king God gave him instructions he said I want to be your king follow me I'll protect you from the nations of the world you know what they said no that's not going to work for us every other nation's got a king every other nation's got a leader Samuel said, y'all don't understand. The man of God comes to him and said, let me help y'all. He's going to take your sons and put them in war so your sons will die, y'all. He's going to take your daughters and use them as bait, trading bait, to intermarry and send them off as like hired servants or hired hands to make alliances with other kingdoms. Your daughters are going to get shipped off to some man they don't even know because the king's trying to protect his own, you know, self. It's going to not be pretty when he comes into power. And you know what they said? Yeah, we know all that. Let's do it anyway. Now, before we laugh at them and think how stupid Israelites are, we better be careful because that's what the church does every day. God told us what sin will do. God told us what a lack of prayer will do. God told us what a lack of fasting will do. God told us what a lack of reading His Word will do. God told us what a lack of the Holy Ghost being an influencer in church and, and the Spirit of the Lord moving and troubling the waters and stirring the waters for people to come in. God told us what we'll do. You know the church is doing? Well, you know, but the church across town is doing it that way, so we should probably try that too. Well, the church across town, man, they, they, they started, they got that big screen and they got those lights and they got that fog and they got... Man, they're drawing a lot of people, you know. Man, man I, I don't. I, we better go to a seminar and listen to that pastor tell us how to grow our church, because that guy must know what he's doing. Uh, uh, what? What about God knowing what He's doing? You say, well, pastor, you saying we shouldn't go and iron sharpen iron and go to seminars? No, but I don't think you got to go follow the latest fire, because just because it's burning doesn't mean it's God burning it. There's a lot of fires out there that are started by arsonists, not by just natural causes. You can't control a fire that's natural causes. That's why it burns down all the stuff in California. But, you know, but, but, but arsonists, they start stuff. They go to jail for that stuff because it's illegal to start a fire in certain places and things like that. And, and you know, not everything that burns is the Holy Ghost. I'm going to rock your theology today. Not everything that speaks in tongues is the Holy Ghost. Not everybody that shouts is the Holy Ghost. Not everybody that can run the aisles is the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you can take a Z-Pack and they drink a little bit of DayQuil or NyQuil with that little bit of alcohol they have in it to make you feel better for your whooping cough, and you'll feel real good, and you can run, and that ain't got to do with the Holy Ghost. That had to do you took medicine today. That's not the Holy Ghost. Hello. And some people can take, you know, oxycodone and feel like they can't feel nothing in their body. That's not the Holy Ghost making you feel that high. It's oxycodone making you feel that high. Come on, somebody. Drugs can make you feel high, but that don't mean it's God. Just because someone looks drunk don't mean it's the Spirit. Come on, somebody. Hello. I'm preaching better than y'all helping me today. Y'all know it's true. 
I've been on sabbatical. The reality of the fact is not everything that jumps, runs, spins, twirls, hops, speaks in tongues is always the Holy Ghost. That's why the Bible said God wants people that have a gift of discernment because not everything that walks in the building's got him in them. Hello. You come up here, I'm just going to say it, you come up here and have been voted American Idol, the voice is winner, and have the greatest voice, and everybody in America say, boy, I tell you what, that is the best singing voice I've ever heard, and you can flat out not have the anointing and be a dud. You can be tone deaf like a dying calf in a hailstorm, and we pray to God you don't sing anymore because it's that bad, but you can be in the middle of a verse of a song, and if the Holy Ghost drops in, you're the most anointed singing we've heard in a long time. Hello. Hello. You see, I mean, God, you know, I, sometimes I wonder if God's tone deaf because there are some people that come and sing and do things in churches, and I think that what the Lord didn't bless it, and you now made a mess of it. So it's not been. Make sure if it's going to be that way, God does something in the midst. But the point to be made is a lot of people can perfect or mimic or replicate what they think is church. They can reproduce it, but God ain't in it. Ichabod's over the door. They go to Zor. In order to serve the Lord, I hate to tell you, but sometimes you have to let go of things in your previous life and start following God for what he wants you to do. You know the whole purpose he said, don't turn around and don't look back at Sodom because God did not want them to remember what used to be. He wanted them to forget those things which are behind me and press forward to the mark of the upward calling in Christ Jesus. The scriptures are full of it. Don't look back, look forward. Press on, don't look back. They want, God wants you to let go and let him take you where he wants you to go. So they head to Zor. The city's been affected. You know, Abraham gave Lot the choice. But I want to help you with something. All you parents, grandparents, those of you here this morning that maybe your children aren't with you. They don't come to your church here. Or maybe they, they don't go to church at all. Or your grandchildren go to church. I'm going to help you understand something to encourage you but also give you a way to pray about the situation. And I want you to listen to me carefully. You can do all you can to tell your family about Jesus Christ. You can give them the choices. You can drag them to church. You can beat them to come to church. You can make them a drug addict, dragging them to every revival in, them, in the town. You can, you can have Jimmy Swaggart playing 24-7 and never listen to anything else but Jimmy Swaggart ministry. You can, you know, take their phones. You can do what? You can beat it in them all you can. You can even warn them of the impending destruction that may happen if they don't follow that. but you can't make them make the choice. But now I want to also be the devil's advocate and flip the script on you. See, I set you up. I'm baiting the hook. But there are some people, you can't tell your family about Jesus and you can't tell them about the impending destruction and how they need to leave their sin-sickened state when you're the one that led them to it. Listen to what I just said. Some people, oh, they get saved and sanctified and Holy Ghost filled and then they want to go and tell everybody else what they should have done. But then what they don't realize is some of the things, choices they made is what led those people to those destinations. You know, sometimes you lose your influence on them when you're the one that led them to it. Lot could have told his wife all day long, honey, listen to what they say. We got to go, we got to go, we got to go. But Lot was the one that led her to Sodom and Gomorrah to start with. Hello? 
You see, we try to accomplish things our way, but it doesn't work. You know, lost, lost, Lot lost a lot of things in this raid. He lost friends, no doubt. The son-in-laws of Lot would not leave the city. The wife turns into a pillar of salt. This cost Lot something. This, this decision cost Lot a lot. Wife, son-in-laws, family, friends. Be careful to not be drawn away from the promises of God by letting the enemy paint the grasses greener on the other side pictures. Lot thought the pasture looked good, the grass is greener. But let me help you with something. Sometimes the greenest grass in the yard is the one over the septic tank. Come on, y'all, let that sink in for a minute. Y'all know what goes in a septic tank, and I'll leave it right there. There's a lot of stuff that's happened that you don't want to ever see again or smell or deal with ever again underneath that grass. Sometimes the grass that's greener on the other side is only there because there's a mess underneath it. Hello? Oh, pastor, I'm going to go to such and such church because, man, they got it going on. You better be careful. You might be going into a cow paddy field. Hello. Oh, pastor, man, they, they got the latest, the greatest. They're doing all that kind of stuff. Well, if they're preaching Jesus and the Holy Ghost is there, then by all means, if you feel that training, God bless you. But I don't always, you know, I've seen all these people. I, there are some people, they're rabbits. They're church rabbits. Y'all know what church rabbits are? They're the type of people that come by and leave their droppings everywhere they go and hop to the next location. That's what church rabbits are. Some people are like that. They come, they leave you their mess, and then they leave once they start the mess. Been there, done it, been in other states, and have been in churches where I worked at in other states where they came, they brought their mess, they left, but guess who got the mess? We did and still had to live with it. you got to understand, lot, it cost a lot. That grass that's greener on the other side cost him a lot more than he thought. He lost his family. He lost his friends. He lost a lot out of this because he lost his influence. He lost his witness. He lost his testimony. He lost his Judeo-Christian rights. He lost his ability to infect or to affect the world around him. He lost it because of his decisions. You know what else I love about salt? Salt will preserve whatever it's given. Anybody, anybody uh, use salt before as a preservative on meat? Keep it from going bad. Preserve it, whether it's venison, deer, meat, whatever. Before you put it in the freezer, put some kind of salt, something on it, just to kind of keep it from, from rotting. Salt is a, you know, it, it will preserve things. It has that preservation uh, ability. It, it preserves what it's given. In Lot's story, Lot was given. The Bible teaches us that we are called to be the priest, prophet, protector, and providers of the home. The man, if all possible, is supposed to be the head of the household praying. That doesn't mean he's got to be a jerk to his wife, but he's supposed to be the one that's interceding and preferring. The Bible said, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and was willing to lay down his life for their, for her. You know, the Bible gives us full of scriptures of examples where a man's supposed to rise up and be the man. Hello. I know it's not Father's Day, but, but, but the reason the world's in, one of the other reasons the world's in the way it's in right now is because we don't really have men because men don't even know if they're men anymore. Hello. Come on, I said it whether you liked it or not. It's the truth. I was born Jim, but I'm leaving Janet. Come on, somebody. Come on. It's good preaching whether we like it or not. The reason is we've got nobody being father figures anymore because fathers are now mothers and fathers is like daddy and daddy. We don't know who's mama and who's daddy. Hello. Hello. My name is Bruce, but now I'm Caitlin. Come on. Last name's Jenner. Come on, somebody. 
world-renowned athlete, triathlon winner, Olympic gold medalist. Now I'm going to run for governor as a woman and be the first female such-and-such of transgender such-and-such governor. Come on, somebody. Uh, apparently, y'all don't watch the news, but, I mean, it's happening. You see, we, we, got, we got a lack of fatherhood, male leadership in the world, in the church. Men don't know they're men. Men are losing their effectiveness of being leaders and, and, and instituting that family unit. There are men that, yes, they still know they're biologically a man, but they're, they're literally just uh, basically a wuss of a man, in a better terms, because all they do is let... The wife runs the show, and I'm not saying that it's not a give and take, but they just don't work, they don't eat, they don't do nothing, they don't help, they don't do, they just lay around, they don't do, no, listen, it's a give and take. There's a, there's a, the problem is, you know, and, and, and be, let's listen careful to the pastor. The problem with the world today is, is there's not enough men telling their sons and daughters how to dress, how to live. Honey, you're not leaving this house looking like that. There's men won't even tell their wives. Honey, you ain't leaving this house going to the store looking like that. Amen. Let me help you something. Don't advertise something you ain't intending to putting on the market. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. If you don't want the house to be for sale, don't call Caldwell Banker to put a for sale sign on the front porch. Amen. But if you advertise you're open for business, you advertise that the house is available, you advertise that you're available, then I'm just going to let you know somebody's going to come by and put on an offer. Hello. Daddies are not telling little girls, put up, cover up, or shut up. Come on. Daddies are not telling sons, son, you ain't wearing makeup at 13 as a boy. Son, you aren't wearing a dress. I don't care what you feel like you're going through. That's because you ate Mexican food and we won't eat that again. Go and put your jeans back on and go out the house. We're going outside and play baseball. We're not going to play ballet. Hello. Got boys working around. Look like they're wearing yoga pants and leotards rather than being able to wear blue jeans. Daddies and mamas letting them run rampant because what happens is we have lost our ability to preserve what God has given us. Instead of protecting and providing and taking and being the salt of our family and saying, no, honey, you are a child. God, the children, the Bible said, are a gift from God, a blessing. And how blessed is a man that has a quiver full of them. No, some people need to rise up and say, Honey, God gave you me as a gave you to me as a gift, and God has instructed me to preserve and take care of you rather than to give them whatever they want all the time. Preservation literally means to protect or to safeguard. The angel of the Lord grabs Sodom, a God's lot by the hand, and he says, You know, you know, go back and read it. Lot's like arguing with the angel. Well, can I go to Zor? Can I do this? Can I do that? The Bible said God finally got enough of it. And the angel of the Lord grabbed them by the hand and said, let's go. There comes a point that there will come a point in every person's life, if they live long enough, they, they will, they will put, if they're not careful, they will push God to the brink of the ultimatum. God at that point said, I don't, we're not debating this anymore. Do what you will. We're leaving now. Either you go with me or you stay but we're leaving now. Joshua told it to the nation of Israel. Choose you today. This day. He didn't say, well, take about six months and go visit all the other churches and watch all the live stream feeds and then decide what you want to do in your journey. No. He said before all of them, he said, choose you this day. One translation says, choose 
today before you walk out of this building, before you walk out of this church service, before your feet hits the gravel parking lot and you put your, your soles of your feet in your car, before you ever walk out the double, you choose today whom you serve. If you're serving God, come on over here. If you're serving the world, go on over there. Ask for me in my house. We said, you know what I noticed in that scripture? Joshua didn't ask the wife, now honey, what you think we should do? Hello. Hello. Now, I'm not saying he and Sister Joshua Whitehead didn't have a the conversation. But but he said, but as for me and my house, y'all do what you want. But but Daddy says, we going to church. Daddy says, we serving the Lord. Daddy says, we're going to Sunday school. Daddy says, we're going to prayer meeting. Daddy says, we're going to revival. Daddy says, we're going to Sunday night. Daddy says, we're, Daddy says that the pastor's cleaning the church on Thursday afternoon. And we're going to go clean the church with the pastor and hope he prays for us while we're there. Daddy says, we're going. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Now, and the Bible said eventually they had to basically kill out all the ones and, you know, the ones that didn't serve and all this. Thing. But the point to be made is there, there came a point, Joshua said, I've been given something precious and I'm going to preserve it for the kingdom of God. The angel of the Lord grabbed him and he tells him we're leaving. Even in his fit of frustration with, with Lot, God still was trying to protect and preserve Lot from the impending destruction that was coming. You know, Lot, I thought about his wife looking back, turning into a pillar of salt. I thought about what all she may be looking back at. Maybe she was looking back at the home place that they had built a home for. They had purchased a home and decorated it, and it was going up in smoke. Maybe she had friends. Sister Carol and the band, you guys make your way. Maybe, maybe she was looking at her friends. That she had made over the years. Maybe. Maybe she had grandchildren somewhere. Out there. We don't know. Or some kind of niece or nephew. Some kind of family member. Maybe she was looking for extended family. Maybe her mama lived there. Or maybe she had siblings. That were there. Maybe she had an aunt or an uncle. That lived there. Look, the longer I've been here, the longer I realize that all you people from Berkeley County are kidding to each other. You can't talk about nobody in Berkeley County. Thank God I'm from Dorchester County. I ain't kidding to y'all. Like, I ain't. I'm in a different whole county. Like, Sister, Mary, Sister, Sister Sherry told me the other week, a couple weeks ago, she said, that's why I had to go find Brother Marion in Florence County, because I was afraid I'd marry my first cousin if I met somebody in Berkeley County. I mean, and now, granted, in South Carolina, it's legal to marry your first cousin, but she didn't want to take that chance, so she went to Florence County, to, you know. But the point to be made... What if, what if there were family that she looked back for? We know her son-in-laws were there. We, the Bible tells us they stayed. What if she did have other daughters? Maybe what if, what if the daughters that were married were the ones that stayed? Because here's the reason why some scholars believe Lot may have had four daughters. Because the Bible tells us that Lot's two daughters, when later in the story they have relations with their father, that they were virgins at the time because Lot told them, take my virgin daughters go out well if you have son-in-laws now some people say well they might have just been betrothed maybe so but if they've already been married chances are they probably are not in that status anymore so there's that fine line so maybe she left children behind you know it's so hard to judge lot's wife but what would you do if all you knew god said you had to leave it and not look back never turn around couldn't see your children couldn't see your grandchildren when you walked out that double doors, God said, now, 
don't look back. Everything you know. What if God told you today in prayer, pack up everything you have and go move to Guatemala. Leave everyone behind. Could you do it? Could you do it? Because I'm sufficed to say today that if I said right now, God said to one of you, let's say I said to Chris for an example. Chris, God told me to tell you. Now, he didn't, so don't. this ain't God. I'm just giving this an example. I want to clarify that because I need you to come back next Sunday and protect me from this whole sermon I've done today. You're my new bodyguard. You're my armor bearer. But what if I today, the Lord spoke and I said, Chris, God told me you, you got to move to Haiti. You got to leave April and the kids. You got to move to Haiti. And God said, you just got to leave them all behind and go. You know how hard that would be to just got a plane ticket, just leave them all behind and leave and never look back. Remember Lot's wife. Now, should she have looked back? No. But before we judge her too harshly, would we have been tempted to look back? Would we have been tempted to make sure my grandbabies are okay? Even though I know what the angel said, would we have looked back just hoping that our daughter happened to find a way out of the escape of the city before it got destroyed? You've seen it at 9-11 and the early 2000s. You've seen it more recently, what, two or three weeks ago when the condominium fell in Florida. All those people, man, people were frantically pulling debris, trying to find their loved ones underneath there. They were searching frantic. Would we have been that way? Would we have turned back to see if our daughter maybe had found another way out of the escape? Would we have been able not to look back? See, I, I, I'd like to say yes. But I'll be honest with you, there's been times in my life that I probably failed and I looked back because I, I, wanted, I wanted to know what life would have been or could have been or what it used to be. See, when they left Sodom and Gomorrah, they were in the presence of the Lord. The Lord was with them. The angels of the Lord had them by the hand. They were in God's presence. But as soon as she looked back, she left God's presence. The Bible said she became a pillar of salt. She left God's presence. God's presence of protection was no longer there because the instructions were there was don't look back. I'll protect you as long as you keep looking forward. But if you look back, I can't stop it. You know, that's your, that's your decision. If you look back, it's your decision. But here's what happens. You lose protection. You see, she lingered in that place too long. I told you earlier, she had lived there too long, lived in the wrong place and time. You know, I've often heard the old phrase used, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. You know what? I, I believe we could say that before we coined that in Berkeley County and had our deer antlers on the back of our Chevy pickup truck with that on it. I know, Riley, that's your boyfriend I'm talking about, but it's okay. <laughs> but I wonder if Lot's wife wasn't the first person that could have been coined about. You could take her out of Sodom, but you couldn't get Sodom out of her. You can lead her out of the city. You know the old adage: you can you can lead a water, you can lead a horse to water, and make him drink it. You can get her. You, we took her out of Sodom, but Sister Barnes, Sodom somehow over the years got inside of her. And even though we led her out of the physical structure called Sodom, Sodom already, Sister Beulah had affected her to the point that Sodom wasn't out of her. Some people come to church week in, week out. We got the water, the living water, Jesus. 
can't make them drink it. They come, they're thirsty, they're miserable, their life's in shambles, they don't know what to do. But they never make a decision because they can't get what's inside of them out. They can't let it go. Can't forgive themselves. Can't let over their, let go of their past. Can't let go of their decisions. They just can't let it go. They, they've been brought out of that situation, but that situation has not been rectified inside of them. They came out of the bad marriage, but they still have trust issues. They came out of the bad divorce, but they still can't, can't seem to, to understand what it means to be loved. They came out of an abusive relationship, but now are back in one because they don't know any different. They can't seem to get the pain and the, the scars and the hurt out of them. They came out, but what was inside of them stills inside. So you take salt and you preserve it. What the salt does is eventually soaks up into that meat or to whatever. It soaks in there. And what it does is it's preserving it. It's literally bonding, if you will, to the structure. It's preserving it. It attaches itself. It bonds to it. The devil wants people to be bonded to their sin, bonded to their frustration. So sin, what it does is it's like a leech. It latches on and it does not let go. If you've ever had a leech on you, you'll understand those suckers are a devil to get off. And when they get off, they leave a mark, a bite mark from where they you had literally ripped them off the skin. They leave an impression of what they were attached. Some of us in this building today, we have had things happen in our lives, and we still show the battle scars of the leech of sin, the leech of the devil. Things of it. We still show the scars of those things. Yeah, they might have got pulled off, ripped off, but we still have the effects of it being attached to our lives. And sometimes we've got to let that go we got to put some Neosporin on it and bandage that thing up and let the balm of Gilead, Jesus himself, come and say, all right, I can fix that. Let me heal you. Jesus said you can't put new wine in old wineskins because it will burst. I looked up the preservation of a wineskin. You know, back then, you know, wineskins had to be preserved to be able to hold the water and the contents of and, and I, I, I checked it this week while I was in South Dakota. In fact, I went to a museum. We're getting ready to pray and, 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 and close. We'll continue this, these thoughts next week. And I'll give you the rest of those next week. I was standing there in a museum there, and they were giving you history, facts of you know, the Indians back then and how they lived and how they did things. And then when the you know, white man, as they call it, came and you know, all the stuff that happened and Trail of Tears and crazy horrors and all this stuff that happened went to the Laurel Ingalls Wilder homestead the actual place where Laurel Ingalls lived and, and, and all that kind of stuff and you got to see the different things and one of the places I went to one of the museums they had they they had the different things how they made you know weapons out of the, the bison horns and how they would you know make forks out of the elk and things you know the antlers they could make pitchforks and how really creative they were re- using the resources they were given one of the things they had was what is called the North American buff, uh, the North American buffalo, which is really a bison, is what it is, and how they would use the the bladder of that thing because it would actually be served like as their water supply, their wineskin. It would hold the water for them. It was already coated and insulated. It would, when they would kill it, the bison, when they go to cook it, they preserved that. They cleaned off, preserved that to use as basically like their like their turvis cup to go around when they're traveling. It was their their water drinking. And I was talking to the lady there, and I was just curious, you know, because I Googled things before, but I was curious. I was asking, you know, when people made wine skins, and they use that, how, what are the things to make sure it's preserved so it doesn't leak and things like that? What do y'all, what do you use to preserve, like, the skins to make it, you know, the wine skin or whatever? 
She said it takes three ingredients. It takes water, because you got to, the, the skin's got to kind of be moist to be able to, to be able to mal, you know, shape it for them. It's got to be moist. She said, you, said, you got to have oil. She said, if you, are you, do you by chance play baseball? I said, yeah, I'm a big baseball player. She said, you know, when you first buy a glove, what you're supposed to do with a new baseball glove? I said, yeah, you get oil, and you oil it. And you, and you, 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 I mean, you soak that thing. You anoint that thing like it's got a demon in it, and you, you, you slather that thing down with Crisco. I mean, you make it oily. It's so slick that a ball will just slide right out of your glove. I mean, you want it because what it does, it breaks down that hardness of the linen and lets you be able to put your hand in there and start squeezing to full, what they call form the glove. So he said the water gets the, the skin, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, moist. Then the oil, what it does is it makes it kind of where you can form it. it it's, 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 you know, it's like the baseball glove. You're trying to form the glove. It forms the skin. She said, but there's a third ingredient. And she had no idea that I was a preacher. She said the third ingredient is salt. I said, excuse me? I about shouted right there in South Dakota. I was like, go ahead and tell me this. I want to hear this. She said, the third ingredient is salt. She says, this is what it is. Once you finish all that, you use the salt to seal it. It's a preservative. You use it to kind of keep it. You, you use that to kind of help make it stay preserved so it doesn't get infected and you don't get all these parasites and all this other stuff. It literally is used to, to, to it's like the finished product. I thought, wow. Jesus said you can't put old, new wine old wineskins because sometimes old wineskins she said when, when an old wineskin is, is not you know properly preserved not oiled not leathered it starts to crack and then everything inside of it leaks out it's not good to be a water bottle if you pour the water in it falls out before you even get to it she says it starts to crack that's why the oil and the salt you gotta have it that makes so much sense, you know, because the Bible says that, you know, when you put the new wine, it would expand the wineskin, but, but that makes so much sense. See, the reason we can't just live off of what we had 30 years ago only is because over time, it'll dry out and we'll start to crack. The Holy Ghost in our lives will start to, the, 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 the fire and the, the Holy Ghost and all the stuff that we just, we, man, we used to could pray fire down from heaven. If we're not careful, if we don't continue to seek that, we don't continue to be oiled by the Spirit and be, it be mal, you know, uh, shaped and formed and the salt and and all that stuff in the water, if we're not careful, we'll start losing some of our prayer life. will start slowly leaking out. Our fasting will get fewer and far between. We'll go weeks without reading the Word of God because we're leaking out. Our old wineskin's busted. We're trying to put the new of the Holy Ghost. Lord, give me more of you. We're praying every Sunday, God, I want a fresh anointing, I want a fresh touch. And He said, but if I do it, you're going to bust because your wineskin's messed up. It's cracked. You haven't fixed it. Remember the three ingredients, water, oil, salt. Well, I just preached you on salt. We're going to preach on it more next week. But the other two ingredients I thought were really interesting because Jesus said, out of your belly. Now, you remember what I told you they used for the wineskin? The bladder, the belly of the bison, that area inside, internal organ. You had to have salt to preserve it. She said you also had to have water. Jesus said, out of your innermost being, your belly, will flow rivers of water. 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 Jesus said, I am the living water. Well, you got, the, you got Jesus, you got the water, you got the salt to preserve it. But there's another ingredient. Oil. The psalmist David said as the oil ran down the beard of Aaron, they would take a whole horn of oil when they would anoint the kings and it would just pour over the top of them. The oil represents the anointing. But you also know what is attributed to oil in Scripture? 
the Holy Ghost. Anointing, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the, the oil. You remember what the story of the virgins? Keep your lamps trimmed and ready oiled because when the bridegroom comes and when they came, the five white wicked virgins, remember they went and ran and they, by the time they came back, they, the bridegroom had already left because the other five, the, 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 the wise virgins, they had their oil, their wicks trimmed and their oil ready. They had the oil, fire, oil that all represented the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says this about the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit seals you as a signet ring, as a seal upon God's heart, until the day of His return. He preserves you. He seals you to the day of redemption. Now, you can remove the seal, and that changes the game. But if you try and you keep living it, the Bible says the Holy Spirit becomes a seal to the day of redemption. He preserves you. So here's what I want to tell you today as we close and we'll pick up part two next week uh, the rest of this sermon series about being salt what is it inside of you that has either latched itself on to you and you can't let it go you came to church this morning to a safe place where God is this represents where you're at today represents what the angel represented in Sodom and Gomorrah God led you by the hand. You're here today. God brought you here today. You're here. You're a captive audience right now. God led you here. But don't leave here the same way you walked in here today. Don't walk out today still the same way you came in. Because you might have came here and been out of your abusive relationship, out of your bad family situation, out of your bad whatever. You might have got to church this morning literally leaving an unbelieving spouse behind or leaving a, a wayward son or daughter behind. Or you might have left the house today leaving a bad situation. You might be stressed to the max, overwhelmed, feel like all oh, hell's coming. You might have left that today to get here. But my question is, but is that already taken root inside of you? And we can't get that bitterness, that anger, that jealousy, whatever it may be, you can get them out of Sodom but she couldn't get Sodom out of her don't leave here today still carrying that weight, that frustration, that stigma God got you here this morning so don't leave here still stressed, don't leave here still abandoned don't leave here still feeling like you're worthless don't leave here still feeling like God doesn't love you don't leave here still thinking like your life is going to fall apart at the seams, yes it might feel that way but you came to the right place because there's a new wineskin here there is oil by the Holy Ghost there's water by Jesus Christ and the salt of the earth is here to preserve you, you have come to the right place let us pray with you and let the Spirit of the Lord fill you and preserve you and give you what you need to sustain you. Don't leave here with Sodom still inside of you. You say, Pastor, I've got things I can't let go of. Maybe you got a bad past. You can't forgive yourself from it. You made bad decisions. You got a rap sheet longer than any criminal we could ever meet. I mean, you've been, you might be, as Paul, Apostle Paul said, you might feel like you're the chief of all sinners. So what? You know what happened on July 11th? You came here today. You could have a rap sheet as long as you possibly could everything and the devil could probably tell you, man, look, you got a rap sheet longer than the entire square miles of Berkeley County, but guess what? One stamp of Jesus Christ takes that and just throws it right out the garbage. Takes care of it. Like that. Say, Pastor, I'm sick. In body. Came to the right place. I know a guy who's a specialist. You know, you're going to get sick and you got 
issues, you know, you break your leg, break your hip, break, you know, like, oh, you gotta go to the orthopedic specialist, oh, you gotta go to the ear, nose, and throat doctor, oh, you gotta, you know, the common doctor tells you, yeah, you're pretty messed up, but now let's, let me help my buddy out, because he's trying to build a log cabin in the mountains, and he needs his retirement to kick in, so let me refer you to him so that he can get more money out of you to pay for his house payment, you know, he scratched my back, I scratch his back, you know, and you're every specialist, you know, oncologist, you know, cardiologist, ophthalmologist, and, you know, what the list goes on. Can I tell you today, you came to the right place? I actually know a guy who's a specialist. He specializes not just in hearts. This guy's like the supreme doctor. This dude is the best of the best. In fact, in fact, he actually on his business card says he actually calls himself the great physician. That's what he calls himself. He specializes in blinded eyes. He makes people who've never seen before. He doesn't have to say take one, take two. Is you like A or B better? In fact, he just spits in it and throws it on your, your face and you can see. He specializes in eye diseases. Shoot, he puts funeral homes out of business. He just walks into funeral homes and tells people to get up and just takes the business right out of the funeral home. They go and buy the morticians like, man, I got them bombing. She's like, no, nah, I'm sorry. I ain't, you ain't gonna tell you. Go ahead and Lazarus rise up. Let's go, son. Man, Shelly at Dow Murray would hate us if we went down there and did that. That would affect their business if we started raising everybody up in the funeral home. He specializes in dead things. He's a heart specialist. He can take a sin-sinking, black, stricken heart, regenerate it, bring life into it. He's a cardiologist. In fact, he, he's an ear, nose, and throat doctor. Joker literally puts his hand on the side of people's ears and digs down in there for their earwax, pulls it out, and they can hear. I mean, this man's a specialist. He's good at it. You came to the right place. Can I tell you, in fact, actually his office is open right now. And there is no appointment. You don't have to have an appointment per se needed. He accepts walk-ins. You walked in this building today, and he's glad to see you if you want to see him today. He accepts walk-ins. You say, well, Pastor, I've never given my heart to Jesus Christ. That's great. He's good at that too. So whatever you have need of today, you can't leave out of here and say that you didn't come to the right place. Anything you need, he is special. Don't leave here with Gomorrah still inside of you, but I want you to understand whatever it is you need today, he's here. Healing, a miracle, finances, marriage, let go of your past, whatever it is. He's here. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. No one looking around. I don't want to delay you in time to go to lunch today. But I would be a horrible pastor to close this service and not give you the opportunity to come see the specialist today. I would be a horrible receptionist. I would be a horrible administrative assistant to the great physician. I would be a horrible hostess and receptionist if I said today, oh, well, the doctor's busy. He can't see you today. I would be a horrible representation of his practice and his office. So I want to tell you, I already know because I spent time with him this week. He's here today and he is actively and ready and willing to receive patients. He would love to see you today. He'd love to talk to you today. He would love to give you an exam today. He'd love to look over your charts, your medical history, your records, your marriage, your finances. He's a banker. He's a financial advisor. He's a cardiologist. He's an ophthalmologist. He's an ear, nose, and throat specialist. He's a podiatrist. Whatever you need him to be, he specializes in it. So I'm going to do the altar call a little bit different. I'm not going to necessarily go down a whole laundry list of things. I'm just going to literally open it up like this in an open forum way. If you would, 
if you have a need of any capacity, no matter what it is, maybe you say, well, Pastor, I got a bad past and I need to let it go or I need to get saved. I don't care. You don't even have to tell me. I don't even want to know per se. If you tell me, that's fine, but you don't. I'm not asking you to tell me. If you're in this place today and you say, but Pastor, I'd like to see the specialist today. I'd like to be filled with the Spirit. I'd like to... Whatever it is, I'd like the Lord to, to touch me today. I need a touch from the Lord in some capacity. I really need to see the specialist. With no one looking around, I want you to do this pastor the greatest honor you could ever do, God and me. I want you to slip out from wherever you are, and I want you to come here today. Just sit right here on this front pew. I got the front pews. They're COVID-free. I've disinfected them. You just sit right here. Just come. Nobody's got to know why you're here. I'm not going to make a special announcement. I'm like, well, they're here for such and such. And such. I'm not going to tell anybody. Anywhere on these views. Anywhere you are. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to call you out. I'm not going to send you a business uh, card in the mail and tell you to fill out and tell me on your connection card what you did wrong. I don't care. Now, y'all listen to this pastor carefully. And please don't misread what I'm about to say. I really don't care why you're up here because it's not. I can't fix it even though you're here. You say, well, Pastor, that's a heartless thing to say. No, because the reality is I can't fix it. I can't heal you. I can't restore you. I can't make the hurt go away. I can't make the marriage come back together. I can't make you feel better, but I can be a good host. I can be a good receptionist. I can be a really, really good administrative assistant and tell you, but I have a doctor in the back that's ready to come down and give you an exam and spend some time with you. I don't have the degree, but I know the man who does. I don't even need to know what it is because I'm not the doctor. I'm not the specialist, but I know the guy who is. I do. So here's what I want to do. Some have already come. If you're, as an, if you're an individual and you're just doing it as an individual person, that's fine. If you're a family and you want to stay with your family and stay together, that's fine too. But I need to get you, I want you to be in groups. So I'm just going to ask you, those that are on the front pew, we are spread out already pretty good. But I just want you to stand where you are and just kind of take a step towards me. Just kind of fill it out so I know where each section is, where you're at. Just stand, just take a step towards me. Just stand. If you're going to stay with your family, stay with your family. If you're going to be a group, then that's fine. Just give me this so I know who's together. All right. Just stay right there. We're good. We're good. Here we are. Now, here's where we come in. Some of us under this, on this side of the coin, you've been healed before. You've been delivered before. You've been saved before. You've, you've had it all before. Now, if you don't feel comfortable coming up here, that's fine. Stretch your hands. But if you do, they need support today. They need salt. They need, per, they need somebody to help preserve them today so the devil can't keep getting to them. They need something to happen today. When they leave here, the devil can't keep destroying them and their families so I'm going to ask those that can and will I don't care who it is find somebody up here and just stand behind them so you're not in front of them in their face but stand behind them and put your hand on them and help me pray you just pick somebody I would like somebody to be with everybody if, if all possible I want some, every, a point of contact on each person besides myself some kind of point of contact I don't care how you do it just just a point of contact you don't even have to pray out loud just be there praying behind the scenes as the singers make their way just be behind the scenes I just need points of contact point of contact now here's what I know as we begin to pray here's what I know I know my God can supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus I know God's a healer I know God's a I know God's the same yesterday day before. I know God is able 
Now we just got to put the money where our mouth is. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father,
getting ready to sing that again as our benediction song. As they get ready to put it on the screen for us so we can sing it together. Our song together. This has always been since I came here back in July 2019. Shortly thereafter, I started praying this prayer every service. Right out of the book of Numbers, it's the Aaronic Blessing. And this really is your, your pastor's prayer for you. I do pray the Lord blesses you and He keeps you. He makes His face shine upon you. He's gracious to you. He lifts up His countenance and gives you a peace of God that surpasses human understanding. I pray that. Because when you're blessed, the church is blessed. This this 1211 North Highway 52 property, that, that's not the church. That's our building. You're the church. So when you're blessed, the church is blessed. You're blessed. I love how it's a prayer of faith. Lord bless you, keep you, his face shine upon you, and be gracious to you. It was interesting this week, and, and then we're going to sing this. It was interesting this week while I was traveling home. I was just thinking about different things. Of course, I knew I was going to be preaching now, and I came back. You know, we, I was going to be off for vacation, but I was coming back. And I was looking back at all my different things and just memories I have. And, you know, Brother Larry, I couldn't help, but even though I read these, the Lord bless you, keep your face shine upon you, I couldn't help to just just think about the years we've been here already. Today, actually, today, it's actually a two-year anniversary. Today. Today. The second Sunday of July. Anniversary. And I thought when I was flying home, I was 35,000 feet somewhere over across some state somewhere. I was thinking about all I've seen in the last two years. I've seen a seen a worship develop from nothing. Nothing. Other than Sister Sherry and occasionally guitar when they were able to be here. Just nothing. A piano over here and the, the digital over there and everything else vacant. Standing here today and watching last week that I was on vacation even on vacation we had a worship team we had a, we had a team of, of singers and musicians over the years people that have come in everything we needed when we didn't have a bass player brother dennis was on the pew we needed a drummer brother larry and sister jennifer showed up we needed singers how god just worked it out some of you uh you were here when i arrived and thank god and then there's others I, I remember the day you showed up the day jamie walked into the church and i got to meet her in savannah for the first time talk to them, get to know them, and oh, you connect to small world, I knew Deborah Wolf from in a just small world I remember the day I was sitting in my office, and Brother Chambers walked in Brother Larry and Justin were fixing a sink over here in the nursery, it was leaking, Brother Chambers asked was the pastor in and I don't even know what Brother Larry told him, he was just talking to him turning around, I was sitting at my desk in a three-piece suit, I don't know if Brother Chambers thought I was the receptionist, the pastor I don't know what he thought I was, but he asked if the pastor was in you know, when somebody asks the pastor in, that's one of those things you don't know if you want to answer that yet or not so you know what they want. You know, sometimes you want to be like, no, he's not in today, but I can give him a message for you. <laughs> I said, uh, yes, sir, I, I am he. Can I help you? He said, yeah, I was driving around. Mom passed away and different things like that. And I, I just wanted to bless the church with a donation. I went to various churches today. All their offices were closed. You were the church that had the office open. And I just wanted to drop off a love offering to your church. I said, man, we started talking. I was telling him, you know, he said, now are you the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee? I said, yeah. He said, well, my mama and them went to West Ashley and all these different places. And then we started talking. He's like, well, my grandmama and their first person, she was going through. I was like, I don't know those people. 
I never met them, don't know who they are. I, was still, I went by the next day to give the check to Sister Carol, and she's like, oh, well, my mom and daddy went there. We know them. They're so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. And I'm like, well, call Brother Chambers. Y'all are kin. Y'all know each other. Y'all from Berkeley County. Y'all must be kin. He came in, and we talked, and then he started coming. I remember the day that, you know, Madison and all of them were already here, but I remember the day Corey came and finally visited with me. And then I got to meet Jennifer out of it. We've been together, and we've done surgeries together. We've ate Diddy's Donuts together. We've laughed about things that, you know, nobody else probably would think funny but us, but it was funny to us at the time. I'm still a little hurt that she didn't invite me for her birthday party and add cake and put it on Facebook and didn't tell me about it. And I, do, I still am salty about that. Uh, no pun intended, but I am salty about that. I remember this Sunday, Miss Sybil and Brother Gill walked into our building just to visit because they heard us at a revival, preaching at a revival. It was the first Sunday that we were having Men and Women's Fellowship, the first Sunday of June. I invited them back, you know, figured like, yeah, right, after this morning, they ain't coming back to this. You know, they come back and eat hot dogs and all that stuff with us and hang out with us and been here ever since. I remember Curtis, the day Curtis and Hannah came in, Brother Neil, Brother, Brother Primo, Sister Neil, Brother Jimmy and Sister Phyllis, who I've known for a long time, for just years of being around this area. God's been good to us. He's been good to us. And I want you to know that I mean what I say when I preach that I believe God still has the best is yet to come for all of us. Not just the physical church and our structure and all that stuff. No, no, I'm talking about your individual lives. I remember the day Penelope and Mike walked in a couple weeks ago. I didn't even recognize her at first, you know, because, like, I was a kid. I remember that she said, yeah, you're probably not going to remember me. She said, but your dad pastor in Ridgeville and my Aunt Sylvia and all these different family members. And she started out, I was like, oh, wait a minute. You mean your kid is Sylvia Hyman and, and Taffy and Brina and all this? She's like, yeah, that's my family. Oh my gosh, I do remember you. You know, I was only like eight, so you know, whatever. But you know, I remember. You know, and, you know, it's a small world, but I believe the best is yet to come for all of us. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to stand all over the house real quick. We're gonna sing this song, once verse and one chorus. Bless you and keep you, Amen. And then we're gonna say our scripture. There should be a scripture in there, Tana and Psalms that should be there right after that. That we'll flip up and we're done. We'll say it together and then we'll pray. So let's sing this together. The Lord bless you. And keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you. Now let's sing the Amen. So be it. To sum it up. proclamation together. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Brother Randy, would you pray our benedictory prayer today? Kind of Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings you've given for those you've touched today, Lord, we thank you. We pray that you will continue to inhabit the praises of your people, Lord, as we praise you and lift you up and sanctify your name. 